Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by several leading figures from the world of cyber to discuss building a cyber culture. Before we delve into the topic in a bit more detail, I'll work around the room with some introductions. Uh, we'll kick us off with Paul. Do you start? Hi, I'm Paul Baird. I'm the Chief Technical Security Officer for Qualys. Paul, Newman. I'm Norman Smajic. I'm a solution strategist here at Immersive, uh, covering the German-speaking area in regard of human-centric cyber. Andreas? Hello, I'm Antonis, and I am the head of cybersecurity at Kazoo. And Suk? Hi, my name is Suk Paul, and I am part of the go-to-market as team for services. Uh, with Kodelsky Security. So, and let's see, Adam. Hi, I'm Adam McKay. I'm uh, head of cybersecurity at Byte Software Services and look after go to market in a number of areas around uh, security services and operations. Just a, okay. And now, a word from our sponsor, Qualys. But who are Qualys? Qualys is recognized as an industry pioneer and a premium provider of cutting-edge cloud-based security compliance and IT solutions, backed by a global subscriber base exceeding 10,000 customers. Qualys is incredibly proud to be supporting Evolution Podcasts. Together we are dedicated to addressing the prevalent challenges in the ever-changing landscape of cybersecurity. Qualys assists organizations in consolidating and automating their security and compliance solutions onto a unified platform, resulting in enhanced agility, improved business outcomes, and a significant cost reduction. Utilizing a single agent, the Qualys Cloud Platform delivers continuous critical security intelligence and remediation with comprehensive coverage extending across on-premise, endpoints, servers, public and private cloud, containers and mobile devices, ensuring robust security across a diverse environment. For more information, please visit Qualys.com and see for yourself how Qualys can help your business manage and reduce your cyber risk at speed, at scale and in a quantifiable way. So you've each got a question or a statement around building a cyber culture. Uh, as usual, I'll work around the table asking each of you to pose your question and give you reasons behind it. Um, and give each of you the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So uh, we'll kick things off with Paul. Um, an interesting one. Culture change has to start somewhere. Um, is it a top-down approach or a bottom-up approach within an organization? We'll come to them at first. Uh, it's, it's the usual question. In some ways, also tied to, to my my later one, but it's it's somewhere need to start. So everybody needs somewhere a starting point. But um, out of my experience, so what I see companies that really successfully establish something like a cybersecurity culture is like the usual answer in, in the IT, always both. So... You need to have somebody that supported it, and it usually should be leadership that support that, but really try to embrace um, with all employees on all levels. So, to, so not to just impose the idea to create cybersecurity, but also rather try to go with um, co-create it with all of the different kind of stakeholders and people, and try to involve them. So, my answer will be that yeah, somebody needs to start it. Somebody needs to entertain and sponsor it and of course drive it um but it needs to be maintained with the people and thanks david adam come to you yeah absolutely i think this is a really interesting one paul i think there's um and i think it depends what we mean by top down would give me a different opinion on this i think top down imposition i think is probably a bad idea 
but I certainly think the the, the leadership of an organisation need to demonstrate good practice and uh, create examples for their organisations to follow. So I think um, to, I don't like the, I don't like top down, but I think the the leadership teams are significantly important to the success of a, a cyber culture. Sorry, um, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't think I have a definite answer, uh, top down or down to top. Uh, I think that both needed in the sense that when you are trying to implement a new new vision, let's say, for example, in this case, the bringing um, creating cyber culture. I think the the top, considering the top being the management, let's say, the, there is the first tier of people that they need to buy in, let's say, so that they can help on the cascading uh, of this. Uh, on the other side, on the contrary, I believe that the implementation of this starts from bottom to the top, if that makes sense. It's a bit of a bit of both. Um, uh, uh, they're the best out of, out of both worlds, I would say. Thanks, Anzuk, we'll go to you. Yeah, thank you. I think I'll extend a little bit on where Antonis left off. So um, I think if you think about how movements of behavior impact an organization or any institution, typically it's what's happening at the ground level, if you like. So I think the bottoms up approach um, does definitely have a bigger impact than somebody at a strategic level saying, we need to do something about cybersecurity awareness or, you know, so conceptually you do need the steering at the top. But I would say if I were to give a split, I'd say a 70-30 split, 70% of the execution needs to be done bottoms up. I don't think you see the impact of that across an organization. And I think that in itself gives you scale and you start to see a, a bigger impact. So from a change management point of view, and I've done change programs in the past, that's where I've seen um, you've really got to work on the communication and what you do at the ground level um, and then tap back into your strategy from a leadership standpoint. So, yep, we're, we're heading in the right direction and this is being reinforced and validated based on some of the maybe quick wins we're getting uh, through the journey. A great question, Paul. So. And uh, yeah, uh, so uh, Paul, we'll come to you. Any any further points? Uh, I think they've all been said. I don't think there's a definitive answer. I think every organisation um, is going to be different. But I think it was said that it needs to be. You need to have buy-in at the highest levels. Um, but I think we need to drive that security is everybody's problem, not just security's problem or IT's problem. So, Nevin, just some uh, Just just curious. Maybe I'll share a little bit of my expertise, and I. Curious to get your thoughts on it by how, let's say, regional culture would influence that, especially the part of communication so that you mentioned. It's, it, it, there's, there are regions that are, let's say, more have this kind of a hierarchical type of thinking, so they will need the leadership to set the tone. But there's also, let's say, other regions, like maybe like US, UK, or more the European ones, as a more the collaborative style. So uh, any any experiences with that, how communication could be driven in, in regard of button up? Or... I think for me, it's one one size doesn't fit all when you're looking at a global organization. I think, um, say, for example, if your your organization's UK-centric, um, but you have offices around the world, don't expect the same thing to happen in the UK to happen everywhere else. I think messages need to be adapted and changed based on the region specifics. And that's where some organizations fail. They push out from their central location and um, and it, the, the message and the translation just gets lost. That's from my own experience. So, 
Okay. Well, uh, yeah, we'll bring it to uh, to Naomi's question next. Then. Yeah. So my question is, um, and this is just about a discussion that we I, we always have with, let's say, especially with sea level people, is they they think cybersecurity culture is more like a romantic type of thinking, uh, and um, and this needs to somehow measure. Uh, be let's say measured like usual cybersecurity stuff. So just curious about it. So I don't know how you think companies are really can measure something like something highly subjective like culture stuff. Uh, Antonio, so come to you. I, I think I'll continue to be diplomatic in the sense that um, I think there are two ways of, of doing that. One is the let's say the hard way, and the, the other is the, the passive way. Maybe the hard way is, uh, or it can be either hard or. Uh, very, very good in the sense that if you are doing great job on building this cyber culture, chances are your um, bad experiences would be limited. That's a good scenario. Or the opposite, uh, if this is not going very well, chances are you will see a lot of bad things happening. So one metric is this. And the I would say the other, the indirect metric could be um, I don't know, setting some KPIs uh, and mo- monitoring them regularly or uh, monitoring uh, uh, progress in training, um, set up feedback loops, working groups, and uh, continuously assessing those points in a progressive way, which hopefully will give a- an idea of how things are going. So I- in-, in reality, I think this is a, a combination of both um, approaches. Uh, one leads or prevents the other. That that's that's how I I see it. Excellent, Thomas. And so, we'll continue. Yeah, I think what um, what I found interesting. We did a, a roundtable with some of our um, senior clients about a month ago, and we were talking about the adoption of um, security awareness programs. So, how organisations are trying to improve um, the vigilance and the awareness and. I think to uh, the point that um, that Nomin made about culture and how each the different countries or even organizations treat things differently. So you had, you know, one CISO share his opinion that, you know, uh, we actually try to create a psychologically safe environment where people should feel comfortable and for, uh, be able to uh, come forward with something they're seeing as what could be malicious or could be um, just doesn't look right. Uh, some, you know, it's just not obvious, but it doesn't look right. Um, you know, to, and and anybody that calls that out, they they reward that with, with um, I think it was Amazon uh, vouchers or whatever it was that they were giving out. And um, conversely, another organization, I'll uh, see so in the room, was talking about um, if somebody is continually a repeat offender, they have to have a one to one with. Um, the, um, the, the the head of uh, a particular team within the security organization. So you, you, you start to see how the treatments of behavior, um, you know, give people either the opportunity to to be more open or conversely, um, not, not say as much. And uh, I'll just leave with one point. Um, at the Gartner Summit a few weeks ago, I don't know if any of you guys were there, the risk, IT Risk Summit, um, Security Risk Summit, sorry. Um, a very, very um, interesting stat that uh, was shared was that even though folks are undergoing some kind of awareness program, 70% still tend to bypass those um, you know, do's and don'ts. And they know that they shouldn't, but they still do it. So it starts to give you an idea of how far do you need to go? 
to really cement and um, drive a, an effective program. And to Nerman's question, then then start measuring it and baselining it so you can show some ROI. I think Suk's made some really good points. I, I think um, one of the one of the key KPIs that that I think I've seen organizations really really get some success with is actually around the reporting and recommendations of near misses. So maybe that's as simple as pressing the button that's embedded in the email client to say, I think this is fit a fish or maybe that's through communications channels internally around making potential improvements to the physical security of, of a premises or an organization. Um, that, that near misreporting, I think is, is a KPI that, um, I think we've seen a number of organizations try and adopt and, and get some success from. I think a softer measure is actually just how much people talk about it. What what the water cooler chat might be around um, somebody leaving a door open or um, what happened in people's private lives where they got uh, a text message from a fake delivery company about an Amazon parcel they, never, they were never expecting. And I think uh, it's hard to it's hard to gather that data, but with something like a program that embeds security champions into an organization, you can start to get access to all sorts of different teams and individuals and start to collect that anecdotal feedback as well. Is that it? Well, that's you. I was looking forward to listening to the answers to this this question because I I love KPIs and I love metrics and I I had no idea how you would measure cyber culture through a metric or a KPI. And I still struggle myself to whether or not you can successfully. I think using data scientists, um, so you're comparing data because if if you get in an ideal world, you get no phishing for a week, no emails whatsoever, then obviously that click rate is going to be zero. What happens if an organization gets a million the next day? So you just I think you have to be sensible and tie it up with you know what sort of threats are coming through as well to to what your maybe your click rates are on phishing emails, um, and that's where you know very intelligent data scientists can pull that information out and generate a good metric. I think on its own, um, how many people have reported uh, an email? I think is a a mute statistic for me. So, Levin, anything you like to add? No, it's, it's just thank you for 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 your thoughts and and, and ideas. So what I always struggle is to even talking about culture is still like a this kind of a resilience discussion. So what it means resilience, what it's what it's what it's culture. So is it really defined for for this one? And personally, I think ROI in cyber is still a fairy tale. So this is nothing that could be really measured in in this kind of way. So there is no amount of money you can put into safeguard you from something but um yeah i think i don't know so what i realize of exercises or simulations or putting people in front of situations and let them decide how to proceed this is something that at least help them to be more confident in dealing with that is it measurable i don't know will help will this help them to 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 tackle an incident more effectively could be but um it, it's hard to really measure and put figures out of it but thank you it's really good Adam, yeah, I just wanted to come back on um, on the, the the reporting piece, and I, I think Paul made a good point about the um, the the absolute number of reported incidents is perhaps not the um, the, the 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 
the, the key point for me. It's more that you have a workforce who are prepared and engaged in the reporting of. Um, so having, and I think that's a measure of culture is, do you, are people aware that they are able to make reports? Are reports made? Um, and uh, less of a focus on, we had twice as many reports today as we had last week, and more on the fact that you've got a workforce who's engaged in that as a as a as part of a preventative defensive security mechanism. And I think I do think there's an over reliance in reporting around phishing as well. I think it's easy to measure phishing because they're discrete activities, discrete emails, discrete reports. I think thinking more broadly about the security of organizations and the risk they face, I think it's interesting to me what types of reports organizations might get, not just phishing, but as I say, physical security is is an obvious one. Um, someone, tr someone tried to tailgate me through the front door today. Um, I let someone in who forgot their pass. You know, those, those types of those types of activities are probably also a good, to my mind, a good indicator of a of a culture of that's aware of security and cyber risks. Okay, Adam. Okay, so cool. I'll come to you next for your question. Thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, generally speaking, especially well-established organisations, you see the role that uh, HR and within HR, the learning development team play. Um, really keen to understand what role you think that function can play in an organization when trying to, I would almost say, normalize the awareness of uh, cybersecurity in terms of what to look out for, the general characteristics and behavior. And I think this the reason I asked this question is because for me personally, I think security should be part and parcel of everything the organization does, um, but subtly, right? Um, today, we are very separated uh, for the most part, so keen to hear what everyone thinks on that topic. Thanks. And Paul, come to you first. I think HR is integral um, in getting the message out across organizations. They've, they've been doing it um, with other departments for decades now. So why should cybersecurity be any different? And you've sent emails um, from cybersecurity to the business and you've watched eyeballs roll so many times as yet again, another cybersecurity email has come out. So I think, as you said, that soft approach um, from learning and development and from HR to get the message out there rather than the, the the large hammer and the small tack that cybersecurity generally do. So I think for me, absolutely, it needs to be driven from HR like every other awareness program is within an organization. We should be no different. Adam? Yeah, I, I agree with, with that entirely. I think um, the, the role that the learning and development or broader HR function play in organizations gives them a fantastic opportunity to um, it, it create culture shift. I think the ability to include um, cyber or broader security considerations within other forms of communication and training are, are really, really opportunities that we potentially don't unable to exploit enough um when doing a fire drill why don't mention the fact that you know this door is normally locked because we don't want people sneaking into our data center but this is the fire exit i i don't know there's, there's lots of silly examples you can think of um but i'd, I'd certainly think that there's a huge opportunity for 
for cyber to take advantage of the access and the attention that HR and learning and development teams have within organizations. Sorry. And sorry? Yes, um, I agree as well on the initial uh, comment. And I think that I, I truly believe that HR, uh, as mentioned, they have the means, they, have, they know to speak the language, to approach uh, the people in the rest of the company. And again, uh, what was mentioned earlier about security should not be security team's problem only. Uh, this is this is the way to go. They can help, they can convey the message. And uh, yes, why should security be something different uh, if, if it is something that impacts the whole company, all the departments? And uh, yes, that's, I, I totally agree with that approach. Gonzalez? So again, I also can all completely echo it with everything that's being said. So HR or let's say learning and development plays really a pivotal role in that um, to creating this kind of a cybersecurity awareness, resiliency and something at the end like like culture by really, but not only delivering this kind of training programs, but really also promoting and helping promoting these policies. Because what I always see, so there is a lot of security policies in place, but the majority of the people don't understand why so they they know what what they should avoid but they don't know why they should avoid it so creating security initiatives around it learning programs fostering this kind of an idea of of promoting the culture of learning uh, i think this is something that um, learning and development starts doing but i think we the industry in general could improve on that well you got your hand up if i come off mute um yeah it's a quick one i suppose uh, it's how learning development actually send the message out so I think all of us on this call have sat through some extremely poor um, cybersecurity training. Um, and I think there needs to be that that um, working together. I think cybersecurity needs to work very closely with learner development, HR, to get the right message out there and to make sure it isn't dry. Because we've all sat through the 45 minutes of click here, click there. Is this a phishing email? Yes, no. Um, and it sometimes puts people off. So I think we need to deliver the message. It's got to be a little bit fresher, a little bit cleaner now as well. Paul? Adam? I, I just want to follow up that, and, and Paul's opened the door for me perfectly here, because um, <laughs> I don't think HR and learning and development are the only team that can play a real impact in, in driving cyber culture. I think if we look to people like our communications and marketing teams, I think they've got huge expertise that they can bring to how to get messages out there, how to communicate with um, our audience who are our you know, staff and employees and colleagues. But um, yeah, I'm not sure, 100% HR and learning and development are, are really important, but they're not the only ones. And we should look at, we should look at all the skills in our organizations to define, carry and embed the message we're trying to put across in my opinion. Yeah, just just to Adam's point. So yeah, marketing have these tools and the experience how to bring message over, but they lack of this kind of a knowledge and experience in cyber. So I think what the industry is missing, so this kind of a collaboration between these. So somebody needs to kick this off and say, okay, we, we want it and let's bring all the hands to the table and say how we can deliver it. But usually it's always like silo type of thinking. So we are doing marketing. So we are, and we are doing cyber and the other one doing business. So this, this is something that I think the most point where we are failing at that. In terms? Yes. Uh, again, on, to add on top of everything else, I believe that we as security professionals trying to evangelize the building the security um, cyber culture, we need to, in a sense, become 
salespeople and sell it to the rest of the stakeholders into the business because in the end of the day, we need to convey the right message to the people so that they can understand why this is important. And, and yeah, th this is where, uh, as we said, the HR can help, but we can also get help from other departments. I totally agree on that as well. No, I've just actually made a note. I, I really like the point that Adam added about the, I think the effectiveness of the messaging from marketing, because yeah, they know how to reach out and appeal to the masses, right? And then the comms team on how that flows. So it's almost like you build a bit of a, a blueprint, right? The content itself will come from the, the security organization, just on the specifics. The HR and learning development team, they have a playbook already of how to do this. How do you roll out a program for everybody to adopt and, and participate in? And then you bring in some of the subject matter experts on the effectiveness of it. So I really like where that ended. So appreciate the feedback team. Stuff. Okay, Adam, we'll come to you next for your question. Thanks. Uh, I, I've I've been slightly unimaginative with my question because uh, it's 2023, so I'm going to say AI. Um, so for, for me, the question is, is AI a blocker or an enabler to creating a cyber culture? Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> That's it. It, it. It's an awkward one. Um, I, I'm, my feet is firmly in both camps um, on this one. I don't believe we've we've embraced AI as much as we thought we would do at the beginning of this year. Um, I think the trends over the next couple of years is we're going to be continuously talking about AI as we develop it. I don't think it's as far on as we thought. Uh, we're nowhere near Skynet yet, but we're getting close to it. Um, but you know, from the the, the culture point of view, um, I, I think it helps. Um, because it's something new, it's something modern, it's something that's getting embedded into everything now, whether it's in the home or within the workplace. So as you start to communicate and talk about that, I think that builds a community up, so then starts to drive a little bit more of a culture within an organization. Um, so I would say it's more of an enabler than a blocker. Um, but different lenses, different times, um, different organizations may say something different. Well, Antonis? Similarly, for myself, uh, I'm 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 a supporter of uh, AI in general, but I'm I don't think we are there yet in the sense of um, knowing exactly what we have in front of us, and uh, we we have there's still a lot to be done uh, in the sense of uh, dissolving any confusion points of what um, AI is or what isn't, or how to use it properly and. Uh, not just you know the hype that uh, happens in, in initially, and uh, as with every other technology, I think there needs to be uh, uh, to, uh, some time until the technology is mature enough so that it can give um, the the desired results. Let's say. Um, so to to be more specific on the question, I think if we overcome those barriers, we can. Yes, we can say it's on the positive side, but uh, yeah, the, the pro not the problem, not the concern, but the challenge is to get to a well-established place of what is AI, how we can properly use it to get the most out of it. That that's what I think. Stars, Yeah, I think I think um, I, I can relate to what Paul mentioned about it being more of an enabler. But I'm a firm believer that, you know, you need to baseline what you're going to put in any kind of 
data model, right? So um, for, for to, to see the value from it. So it's, I guess my point is, it's not a silver bullet that's going to all of a sudden just um, transform how people see things. You've still got to do the foundational things. And I think the, depending on the level of maturity you have in your organization, if you have gone to more of a risk-based model, then it, it, it probably reflects or should reflect that, you know, you have, you are applying best practice principles therefore you should be able to capitalize on machine learning um and and what ai can do in that in that kind of analysis uh or correlation to then say yes i can actually reach to to, to more people through using this type of method so i think it it, it does be there's, there's there's a prerequisite to what it can actually do for you as an organization um but i think as Paul said, if it's if you get it right, I think the scale and speed you can achieve with it is phenomenal. Um, and that's where you can see the value. But there's a lot of small stepping stones I think you have to take to get to that point. Um, I just wanted to mention that, yeah, I absolutely agree with the silver bullet uh, that Sue mentioned. It's it's like zero trust. I think marketing and sales have done a really bad job on AI, like zero trust. A lot of people think you can just buy a zero trust product off the shelf and all of a sudden you have zero trust it's the same as ai we branded everything with the word ai um so we just have to be careful about what ai means is what soup just said we should have a better definition a better understanding of what it's actually delivering within an organization first yeah and then again paul opens a great door for it so like buying zero trust is the same thing with culture so you cannot buy culture you cannot just establish culture by doing some one thing and 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 i was just really thinking if i can get a pass on this question because it's this this is a really hard to to tackle and to to, to be completely frank what i did uh, i tried a i asked ai what do you think about should is this uh, could ai be a blocker or not and, and this comes like a usual biased nonsense out of it but i think we see a lot of let's say products of course in the industry coming that really tries to mitigate something like human errors uh and and i think this is something that is quite quite um, controversial and I, i'm afraid that this this if this continue we have this kind of a lack of human intuition especially what we need in order to establish culture to have this sort of an empathy to to understand what we are trying to achieve but uh, overall speaking um i think if an organization understand the pros and cons on leveraging something like a new stuff like ai it is and 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 make it more let's say reasonable i think it could help overall to at least maintain a strong culture if it's already established so that's that's my point thanks uh, david yeah i think i think some really good points there actually i i, I particularly like Nerman's point about using using ai and and machine learning technologies to observe and maintain the culture that's been established. I also really like Norman's point about losing the human factor. I think there's a lot about culture that is going to be delivered as successful based on things passing or failing a smell test. Does it just not feel right? Um, and I, AI is not going to do that bit for us. So I, I think. Obviously, I had an opinion around this myself, but I was really keen to get your thoughts. I think one of the concerns I have around a blocker might just be that the general employee sees AI as this silver bullet because it's not well-defined. And maybe 
maybe the risk for me is that AI creates a sense of apathy that is counter to what we're trying to generate around a culture of awareness and and readiness to deal with cyber and security threats. Adam. Okay, finally, we'll uh, come to Antonis for his question. So, yeah, um, on my side, uh, my question for today is um, how to properly engage with, um, let's say, the tech community within an organization and uh, how potentially spark interest if it's missing uh, while you are in this process of uh, creating um, cyber culture. Okay, Norman, we'll come to you first. Oh, this time me first. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting question. And there is one thing uh, particular that I like. Um, and I think, I don't know, Antonio, if you speak about technical people, it's the, the nerdy people in sitting in the data centers and working with that. So what, what I at least try to do is let's try to get their understanding and, and needs and motivation, what they how they could be engaged in a topic like cybersecurity. And but always quite good is offering them hands-on exercises, something because these kind of audience and I I'm coming from that, they need something to touch. They need to they need to get their hands dirty in order to just understand how this works and how they can maybe break stuff. So going to technical deep dives, giving them hands-on exercises that they can really experience it on their own. But also what always, at least from my experience, quite good is to encourage collaboration. So really it's sort of a peer learning so that they can learn between each other or offering something like a mentorship programs. Uh, you have for sure subject matter experts in typical areas so they can share these in order to this kind of a learning or continuous learning. And overall, what I always like is, yeah, get them in front of some kind of an event where they can challenge them, bound it to some kind of uh, attractive incentives, prizes that maybe motivates them in sort of a friendly competition. So I think this is the, and of course, recognize and celebrate it. So communication and in and, and taking these forward and getting them recognized uh, by newsletters or any kind of public announcements. I think this is something that resonates quite well with this kind of an audience. Stevie? I, I would say, um, especially since for me, post-pandemic, um, there is no shortage in what I've seen of opportunities to collaborate um, with the industry. I think the sense of community, especially within cyber, has is really intensified uh, in terms of what I've experienced. If you think about Intersec last year um, in 2022, the amount of new scale-up startups organizations that were coming through but i think the ideation and sharing of knowledge uh that i've seen and i think paul mentioned he was at it's a lot a couple of weeks ago i was there too and um, again this the spirit of sharing knowledge uh and giving at least some indication of you know what a particular use case represents there's a lot out there that you can do Obviously, there's no there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, people give you a certain amount, and then you know, especially in the vendor space, they'll want to then see how they can convert that. But I would say, in on the flip side, there are a lot of um, free to use resources out there. So if you have people in your organizations who have a knowledge um, gap and want to do some free learning. There's plenty of courses out there. There's expo after expo. You can't keep on, on top of how many expos are going on for cyber at the moment. And um, what's great is to see that they're all across the country, right? They're not just now in the Southeast. You're seeing distribution up in the North in different parts of the country. So that's a great way for people to connect. Um, so it's, I think it's about really getting smart around what you need and what you're looking for um, and then seeing where you can share 
and participate in the community to get ideas, share ideas. Um, and as someone just said, go to some of these um, conferences where you can, you know, you can challenge and ask questions because it, it's it's a great way to get free learning. Thanks, Adam. I'm going to simplify this answer. Uh, positivity, I think. I think we we are all as an industry, I believe, very guilty of doom mongering and talking about why things must be done a certain way and what the potential consequence might be. I think a positive cyber culture and organization creates a huge amount of opportunities for innovation, for collaboration, for um, you know, sharing of ideas, for for efficiency in how how different departments and teams run. I think there is a there is a great opportunity that I don't think we as a as a broader security community have tapped into really to be change agents to really accelerate things like dare i say it mr buzzword today digital transformation and those types of those types of initiatives i think um yeah so for me that engagement's all about the art of the possible what's the getting getting on board with this this shift in how we do things presents opportunities and inevitably it does um we just got to identify them and articulate them really well in my opinion. Excellent. Well, um, I think I'm showing my age here now, but I've been in this industry 25 years, and I would say for the majority of that, I've been behind a special door that nobody else can get through. Um, and that's what we need to break down with an organization. I have seen it, especially um, since COVID, those walls have broken down an awful lot, where security team have been squirreled away in a secret bunker somewhere that nobody else within nobody else can get to from the organization. And it puts you on a pedestal, um, and that does generate some politics and some resentment, especially with the IT teams as well. Um, but I've noticed those walls coming down. Um, a lot of the security teams are sitting with the IT teams now, claiming that collaboration. So you start to create working groups. So it's it's not just a security problem. It's not just an IT. It's a business problem. So you're getting loads of people together, starting to work together. So that starts to generate that that culture. Um, and then that gets that interest going with people within IT that maybe want to move over to cybersecurity as well. It starts to generate that that little bit of interest um, and that spark that might be missing. And so, is anything right? Uh, yeah, those uh, great uh, great feedback, great answers. And I want to share something else uh, on that. Um, I, I think it was mentioned earlier about the um, implementation of a program with uh, the security champions, let's say. I have found that this is not very well uh, received or, uh, or, or, or expected lately, apparently. And uh, I, I really understand that because people might think it's yet another uh, task that I have to do, which I'm not responsible. So I think we need to find other ways around that. But I really like the idea around this. So it's a it's a it's a difficult one. I also like the uh, positivity uh, comment. Uh, I, I firmly believe that we need to be proactive instead of reactive, especially in our industry. So yes, and I'm very happy to hear uh, other um, answers around uh, engagement, like uh, events and trainings. That's exactly my thought as well so glad to, to see we're on the same page excellent Thomas. Nevin? just just shortly on on the point that i think like like everything so the the truth is somewhere in in the middle and and to your point antonio this is exactly what what i realized so people 
it's just, it's just it's just another training program. So it's just another questionnaire, just another survey coming out to try to distract me from my daily business. And I think this is the point. So we we don't explain to the people why we are doing it and that they are part of that and they need to participate and they can never we have all have a benefit out of it being more informed community to 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 react and respond on certain things so we, we just need to be aware of that or they already have a lot of things to do they already have the eight nine hours daily so just by distracting and getting something on top of that is without giving them the full context why I think this is why the majority of these initiatives maybe fail because we just not conscious and not respecting of their workload that they have. Thanks. Cool. Um, I, I think cybersecurity is where IT was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, sitting on the, the outskirts of an organization, um, looking at being a, a blocker rather than an enabler. And IT has managed to win hearts and minds. And I don't know if that's because of the cybersecurity team coming in now and all the focus and all the political being, you know, uh, redirected to the security teams. But I think cybersecurity teams need to look at what IT have done within their organizations to 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 win over those, those hearts and minds and embed themselves within the organization and try and do exactly the same thing. Jonas? Yes, on this final comment, I, I, I totally agree. And uh, I believe that uh, even now we can discuss about evolution of cybersecurity in the sense that I, I think that um, in general, infosec cybersecurity needs to be agile in the sense we need to work with other people, not aside, uh, as as Paul mentioned earlier. Uh, it's, it's it's almost as if security needs to be embedded in every aspect of the of an organization. So yes, we, we need to convey the message that we will sit on the table and work together, not opposite sides. That's that's very important, I think. Sir. Sure. Yeah, just just to add to what Paul mentioned there, it's a really interesting point because um, I think a lot of workloads and services are moving more into the business functions. So you're kind of getting this uh, traversal movement of IT functions or teams or um, activities into the actual business unit. So to Paul's point, I think there's almost an, uh, a subconscious acceptance that IT is actually part and parcel of the business process. To get things done you don't have that integration yet with the security aspect and i think that's why we're still kind of left at the fence uh, or on the on the on the side looking in and um you know things like devsecops and where you can try to build some of those disciplines into the build cycle of, of applications and services if that can scale you can then and if you think about the movement of services into the business unit you inherently start to become more secure by design but without making a big thing of it, and maybe that, you know, dare I say it, will give the security folk uh, or function a bit more acceptance into the broader ecosystem of an organization. Okay. Well, if there's uh, nothing else to add there, um, we shall call it time. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, I'd like to thank the, uh, all the contributors today. So Adam, Nermin, Suk, Paul, and, and Soris for your take on building a cyber culture uh, and providing all your insights into the topics. And uh, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get involved in one of our up-and-coming podcasts, please reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, or on email at robert.wall, evolutionjobs.co.uk. Um, we will see you next time. Thank you.